Who's that? Oh, hello. Hello. What are you doing with so many suits? I don't meet a lot of people in UX that My have, sister got you know, married, and I had to get a suit for that. And then this is my wedding, uh, which I don't fit in anymore. This is way too small. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. Let's not talk about that. <sighs> I highly recommend drugs for the whole family. <laughs> Better <laughs> living like, through well, chemistry. Robitussin. Just say, yeah, a little, a little whiskey on the, on the lips. <laughs> it worked for us as kids. I'm just saying we're fine. You know, relatively speaking. All right. You ready? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. <clears throat> What's up, UX fam? How's your mom and them? Welcome to another episode of Beyond UX Design. I'm Jeremy. If you're new here, welcome to the show. I am super stoked to have you. And if you haven't done it already, please consider subscribing to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are a regular here and you feel like you're getting something out of the show, I would really appreciate you leaving a five-star review. Not just five stars, I'm talking about a couple sentences too. That'll help me out so much. And as always, thanks so much to Chris, Siraquan, Stacy, and Radu for their support. And if you want to join Chris, Siracon, Stacy, and Radu, help keep the show independent and ad-free. You can become a patron for as little as $3 a month. And if you do that, you'll get some sweet perks for your support. And for more information on how you can support the show and help more people find out about what we're doing here, make sure to check out beyonduxdesign.com slash support. So everybody out there has heard me say a million times, stop applying, start connecting. And I give this advice all the time. And a couple of weeks back, <laughs> Megan Thomas posted something, which is to me, like, I don't know, just, it was one of those things I was like, oh my God, I hope I'm not <laughs> like influencing people and telling them to do this, but what not to do <laughs> when networking. Uh, and so I am so excited to have Megan come on today and talk about this. Megan, are you excited as I am? I am super pumped. Hell yeah. And um, we're going to talk about how not to network <laughs> on LinkedIn. And then we'll also tell you how to also do it right. But I'm really excited to have Megan on the show today. Megan Thomas is a UX designer with an impressive nine-year track record in UX design with a solid foundation in front-end development. So she's a career shifter coming from front-end development, which is awesome to see. She's passionate about helping early career UX designers to be successful. And for the last two and a half years, she's been teaching the UX bootcamp at UC Berkeley. Her dedication to the craft inspired Megan to create the UX Social Club, which is a small community of designers who share her values and commitment to collaboration and excellence. And in this community, which she affectionately calls capital G, capital P, good people, Megan encourages and inspires her colleagues to help each other level up in their careers. Yes. She's going to help y'all do that today as well. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you so, so much. I actually want to add something to that in uh, intro. I love that... Uh, I've got the experience in front-end development, but like I wanted to back it up a tiny bit. The reason I'm so compassionate about early career designers and career changers is I was a flight attendant before I went to a full-stack development boot camp. I saw that on LinkedIn, So yes. like not only have I shifted from uh, development to design, but like I went from not programming anything more complicated than the oven on the plane. Uh, and let's be real, when I say programming, I put 20 minutes on, it cooks <laughs> the food, and then it shows up. So- you press a couple of uh, buttons, I've got yeah. some real experience with that career change and the emotional stress that comes with it. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I saw that on LinkedIn, actually. And that is something I wanted to ask you about, because I feel like, for me at least, I don't know, I would just imagine, I'm guessing, that interacting with so many people every single day probably taught you quite a bit about how to work with other people. And I think probably made you a better communicator, made you a better you know, probably Absolutely. listener as well, like helping to get people to, you know, do things you wanted to do in a nice way without having to like beat them over the head with the, I mean, it helped me something, manage, so. you know, a 45 year old 
children, essentially, uh, when they're <laughs> acting out and like, oh, I can't get this level on Candy Crush. Hi. <laughs> Could we focus on oh what needs God. to be Can done? You, Thank you. <laughs> Can you yeah. put that away? Thanks. Oh, that's so funny. I, I love that. Yeah, that's uh, an amazing thing. And uh, to, to, you're, you're right. You, I'm glad you pointed that out because that's a, that's a double career shift right there. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. So Megan, you've got a lot of stuff and, and you've done a little bit. I usually like to ask people, you know, how they got into UX design and, you know, you got a really interesting backstory. Can you, uh, you know, with the double, with the double, yeah. yeah, can you give us like a quick rundown? How did you end up going from flight attendant to front end development and ultimately realizing, you know, I don't, this isn't for me and, and shifting again? Yeah. Uh, great question. It's one of my favorite things to talk about because I feel like if I can do it, you can do it. Um, I was... 31. I had been a flight attendant for six years and I'll, I'll back up a tiny bit further. And this is just like, this is just a, a fun little anecdote. I got kicked out of Canada because it turns out you can't just like drive up there and live. Uh, you actually have to pay taxes and fill out paperwork. And when they kicked me out of Canada, but NAFTA, right. I know, they're just America's hat. Can I just drive? <laughs> uh, no, they were very, very kind when they turned me around at the border, but they still, in fact, were like, Ooh, no, you have to leave. And, um, that's how I became a flight attendant was, um, was I, I needed a job and Delta was hiring and <laughs> lucky for them. Uh, but six years into it, about five and a half years, really, I had torn my bicep tendon and, uh, I'm not going to lie. The, the senior mamas, the, the, the old ladies that were still mad because, Northwest, they had lost seniority when Northwest and Delta merged. Like it was, it was drama. They were mean to me uh, when I transferred oh, to a very, very old school uh, base. And I realized, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of being handed dirty diapers and apple cores that have been chewed on uh, by, by strangers. So <laughs> I realized, course. what do I want to do? And I don't have a four-year degree. I tried college about four times. It just, it didn't take, I didn't learn until 31 years old that I have ADHD, I have auditory processing disorder. So like school was not my jam. So when I, I, I kind of faced this like career catharsis of what do I want to do? I am 31 years old without, um, and at like without a formal education, without a, a, a career and without a direction. So like I went through a momentary, like quarter life crisis and then uh, my partner at the time suggested I look at coding and I gave it a shot. I, I honestly assumed that I was not smart enough to do it. I just thought, well, you got to be good at numbers and, and stuff like that. I went to Codecademy. This is back in 2013. Went to Codecademy and learned how to do uh, HTML, CSS, a little bit of JavaScript. And it blew my mind how exciting it was to be able to manipulate these things on the screen with what appeared to be just like science fiction. Let's be real. Like, like coding magic, is science. Yeah. <laughs> it's magic. Uh, but it's magic with lots of weird looking characters. I felt like a wizard with a bag of tricks when I could hover and like make the circle turn into a square. Oh my God, mind blown. And uh, I, I went to Epic Hotis boot camp. It's a full stack boot camp here in Portland, Oregon. I was their third cohort ever. It was amazing. It was a challenge. It was so, so, so hard. And I landed the... This is so, um, it, it's hard to, to sound compassionate when I'm like, I landed the first job that I uh, interviewed for. Um, I think I just presented <laughs> well. Like I was a flight attendant. I knew how to speak to people, yeah. make eye contact. I was wearing a dress. There were people that, who yeah. uh, smelled like they'd slept on the couch for a week in my <laughs> cohort. So it wasn't really that difficult to land the, uh, the interview. Um, the interview was a challenge, but I was going to be a front-end developer and it, I landed the job and my, it was a startup. So my lead designer or my lead developer, front-end developer, was also a UX designer that just had gotten roped in because the CTO, he came with the CTO. 
and I learned UX on the job. So it's very interesting to me to see the boot camps and what they're like cramming into six months because I essentially had three years to learn from like a true, he's a true mentor to me. He is the um, head of shopping UX at Amazon. So kind of knows a little oh, bit wow. about what yeah. he's doing. He knows what he's doing, I would um, assume. Yes, right? yeah. shout out to Seth Yant. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, but I learned on the job. And oh, once I figured out not only can I make these pixels, I can make these pretty uh, boxes on the screen, I can get people to click on them. I can help them find their way to them. I can help uh, convince them that they should take the next step with UX writing. Like it, if I thought I was a wizard with a bag of tricks, I like I was phenomenal cosmic power when I learned UX. So that's how I kind of like transitioned from illegal nanny in Canada to flight attendant to front end dev <laughs> to UX designer. And so now I've been doing it for nine years, which feels bizarre. I think I'm coming up on 10 years, which is, okay. it's bizarre, but I love it. Nice. Yeah. Well, that is quite, you could write a memoir. I would love to read that book. <laughs> I got stories I, I don't want book. associated with my name. You know what I'm saying? Like y'all don't need to know the, the, yeah, the, the naughty stuff. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. All right. So, so, uh, the, the whole idea of this episode today came about this post that you had last week, somebody reached out to you and wanted some help. So a little bit of background, you know, you mentioned, uh, in the, in the bio that you are a professor at UC Berkeley. Ooh, professor uh, is got very, no, I'm professor. an instructor. That's probably like other people like, you're not. I'm yeah, like, totally. Someone has, in fact, they're like, um, I know someone on staff and you're not there. I'm like, I'm at UC Berkeley <laughs> extension. It's different, but like, fine, sure. Go stalk yeah. me. I, it's funny because a uh, side, side tangent here, but uh, I used to be a front end developer as well. And back in the day, uh, yeah, I actually did that before I get started at G now. I did like UX, then bent back and. Anyway, finally decided to want to do it. I have a whole story. This is an episode oh seven. Gosh, about we me. need but to anyway, catch up. I need to know this. We definitely should. Yeah, but I, uh, I, where was I going? So sorry. <laughs> oh, I remember the engineer. So uh, I would, I would call myself front end developer, and then when I started at GE, they're all like, "No, we're software engineers." And I had some friends who were like mechanical engineers, and I'm like those guys aren't engineers. That word. Oh anyway, yeah, people got so real squiffy anyway, about that. Instructor, but, but you, you were a UI engineer at that point. <laughs> I, I kind of was because I did like, yeah, I did all of it. I was kind of front end yeah. uh, developer and then, you know, UX and I did all Is that stuff what people call like a, a full stack designer now? Like, I don't know what these I have titles to be honest, are. I have no idea. Okay, good. All right. Well, <laughs> At the time, the same I was boat. just, I was front end developer slash UX designer. So Same. That was my first role. I was like, this <laughs> yeah, is, this is great. And it gives us a lot, like just not to side tangent too much, but this is, I don't think UX designers need, need to learn how to code, but like, it's real nice if you know. Mm. Yeah. You know what I say? This is what I say. I say, you don't necessarily have to know how to type the code. Right. But you need to understand how to think yes. like an engineer. Yes. Like understand the thought process. How does this work? How does this thing, what happens when you do this thing? What's connected in the background? And, you know, you don't need to make sure you know how to write a function right. in the most efficient way possible, but at least understand how it works. Right. So anyway, all right. So I got a side tangent there. Engineer, professor, that's what I was going with this. Instructor. Instructor, Instructor yes. at UC Berkeley. <laughs> and you get a lot of these students. And so, you know, you post a lot on LinkedIn and, and I would consider you a thought leader, quote unquote. Um, okay. And so a lot of people reach out to you is the point. Yeah. And somebody reached out last week. Tell us about this conversation and what went wrong? Oh, so I feel, I almost feel terrible. I don't feel terrible because it is a learning moment and I like sharing learning moments. Um, I feel terrible that this person might have felt like a, like a guinea pig, uh, but it kind of came after. So my current cohort at UC Berkeley is in week 21 uh, or week 22 of 24. So like we've gone from the, uh, what's, 
what's user-centered design all the way to, all right, we're working on a final project and it's going really well. So throughout that process, we've talked about how you're going to leverage this experience in a boot camp into getting a job. And it's not necessarily what you know, because the boot camps are all essentially teaching the same thing. Let's, let's be very honest. Like no one's teaching new stuff. Like the whole joke about 10,000 monkeys could eventually reproduce the, the, the works of William Shakespeare. <laughs> um, I believe this is true. I think it's up to the individual person to uh, put their own understanding, their own spin, if you will, on it, but also to build a network that allows them exposure to things they would never get exposed to. So networking is super key. And I try to demonstrate for my students an effective way to continue networking. So I'm constantly sharing posts and saying, what do you think about this? Um, if you have an interesting thought, then share that thought. Uh, so this this person obviously went to a boot camp. I did end up looking through uh, their profile to um, to see what what boot camp they went to. I'm not going to name them or or the boot camp, obviously, uh, but it was very obvious to me that it was an assignment. So the uh, the original message came through, and it was just kind of generic. And I occasionally lose patience. Occasionally. I try to have a ton of empathy and patience because again, I've, I've experienced where these folks are coming from with career change and it's nerve wracking. It is a lot of times really outside people's normal realm of comfort. So I have a lot of compassion, but I also do expect people to bring a little bit of critical thought. That is pretty much the, the challenge I ran into reading that message was this is not critically thoughtful. It feels copy and pasted. And if you're willing to waste my time, um, how many people's time are you willing to waste? And how does that position you to get a job that you desire? So this yeah. person, uh, bless their heart. Nah, I'm, I'm, you're from, <laughs> you're also from the South ish area. So like, you know, bless yep. your heart sometimes doesn't bless mean, Aw, baby. Yeah. it sometimes means like, stop and think <laughs> at best. Yep. So I, uh, I did write back. I did in fact say, Hey, what is, what exactly are you looking for, uh, out of this conversation? Because a generic, like 15 to 20 minutes is really that we started with 15 minutes of just chatting. Yeah, so like 15 to 20 minutes is nothing. <laughs> uh, and, and my time is, is pretty valuable. It, it's taken a long time for me to realize that my time is valuable. So I do try to spend it well, but I will meet with just about anyone and yet I want to ask, like, what are the questions you want to ask? Let me prepare in advance. Let me see if I have any links that can help you. Uh, and their response with their 10 questions, first of all, 10 questions is a lot to just start <laughs> out with like, okay, hello, stranger. Can you answer these things for me? And then some of the questions were just, they were not interesting. They didn't tell me that this person had given any thought to creating the questions, just that they were told they should ask some questions. And uh, especially right. the part about like, should I work for a... Uh, a startup or a big company, <laughs> our favorite answer right. in UX right, is right, it right. depends. <laughs> and that's going to depend on you, not what I tell you. Uh, and yeah. then there were some other pretty generic questions about like quality over quantity. Don't, don't ask me if I want quality over quantity. I'd rather have one really awesome thing than 70 really crappy things. Like, wouldn't you, right. I mean, unless it's chocolate, I'll take some really mediocre <laughs> me chocolate in quantity. That's fine. <laughs> So you've got a whole episode on your YouTube channel about this specifically. So we don't need to dive all into all the questions. And I would, I'm going to link to them in the show notes. And I want everybody, I really do believe that this is like a room because you go through each question bit by bit and, and sort of pick it apart. We don't have to do that. And today. I also answer with some, some, some folks who left comments in the, in the comments of that post. 
Oh, right. Yes, you did. Yes. Yeah. The senior versus you. You're like, I, you I responded yeah. to some of them because I'm like, hey, this is the perspective. This is the right. what you're putting out into LinkedIn, which is your per- public persona. And these are the things that you're saying to designers that you are hoping to be like someday. Um, and I, leaving some some responses to that. It was a really long riff. I feel like maybe 50 <laughs> minutes was a little long. I did try to like cut it down, but that was, it was meaty. Um, but yeah, there's, you, you got to remember what you're putting out there. So that was, exactly. it was an interesting post. Well, it's kind of interesting because you, you mentioned that, you know, and, and I, I've had a conversation with somebody the other day about this and I, I think might end up having an episode about it in the near future, but it's, you know, you've got these boot camp graduates that they don't necessarily know any better. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of boot camps just sort of telling people to do things mm-hmm. and they mindlessly follow them, not because they're, I, I don't know what it is. It, uh, maybe it's an ignorance sort of thing, or I, I'm not really sure, but but the I feel often very bad for a lot of the boot camp graduates because their instructors will tell them to do a thing. Yeah. And they'll just go and do it, not thinking, like the critical thought piece I think is really important, you know? Like you mentioned in your in your episode, Debbie Levitt, you know, she talks about it. Darren Hood, they talk about it all the time. And this is like really just like a huge thing. And unfortunately, part of this, the boot camp education is teaching you what to do, not how to think about the things that we're doing. They're not teaching our, any of the students to no, think critically. Really not. Which is like, you know, I know we're not talking about boot camp education, but I I'm I'm willing to bet you probably take sort of a different approach with your students, but I don't know. I feel like that's part of it too. It's like the boot camp is telling them to do stuff and the, the kids go, I say kids, they're not kids. I know. I, they're I they're kids to me kids. until they graduate. And then we're like, <laughs> we're all adults here. Totally. Yeah. So anyway, I don't, what are your thoughts there? Is that like, how do you, how do you, I don't know, shift blame. We're not really blaming anybody, I guess, but what do you think I about mean, that? I will. So I will take on some of this mostly because, uh, I don't know if you looked at, I'm, I'm sure you looked at my, my profile. What I did um, I took a year and a half break from doing actual design work to write design curriculum for the boot camps. So um, it, I've got some both sides perspective. I've got a lot of friends who have written curriculum for other boot camps as well. Um, I don't know if you've talked with Julia Dabari, but she has written curriculum for like 10 boot camps. And we're all, we have opinions. We have opinions now. And the, <laughs> the opinion comes from trying to scale education in a way that's not personal and uh, trying to appeal to as many people as possible. These are for-profit education systems. Nobody is doing this for free. So what they're trying to do is give as generic, I don't want to say generic, but yeah, generic education as possible, which means that we're not doing a lot of one-on-ones and we're not even pairing people with, with mentors that they resonate with. It's kind of like, if you can find someone that you connect with, then you might get some mentorship on the networking front or on like just the business understanding front. Like what does it take to be in this job besides knowing how to conduct a, you know, user interview kind of thing. You said something a minute ago. I want to, I want to touch on again, you know, we, we, you and I talked for 15 to 20 minutes before just about really just bullshit. I don't even remember what we talked about. Pizza. We talked about, uh, my kids yelling and screaming. We (laughs) talked about all kinds of crap. And so, you know, the, the interesting thing is when, when we tell people to network, right. Mm -hmm. We say, you don't want to take up too much of their time, 20, 30 minutes. And 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 really the the sort of the problem is and you you touched on this is 15 to 20 minutes is not really enough time to get to know the person mm-hmm. to give them the information that would help that person specifically because right. i could tell you everything i think in 15 to 20 minutes but that doesn't mean it's going to be helpful right. for you so 
my question is, I guess, like in this case, when we tell people to network, are we telling them the wrong thing to say 15 to 20 minutes? Because we don't yeah. want to take the the veterans too much of their time. But at the same time, is it helpful for anybody to only spend 15 minutes? I'm curious what you think there when, when we talk about this and, and setting up the time. What, no, what are your thoughts? it's not. I think the fact that we're telling people to reach out and set up a time immediately is crazy. Um, that is asking for a lot of no's. And I do tell my students, I'm like, hey, you're entering a job, uh, an industry and uh, a job that is very competitive right now. So you're going to be lucky if you get your resume seen. You're going to be lucky if you get a response back from anyone. It's not because they don't like you. It's not because you're a jerk. It's because there's just so many people. And it, I the the trend is going to change. The pendulum will swing. I get it. But the networking thing, it's not enough just to like reach out and connect with someone anymore. Like the early days of LinkedIn, I don't know if anybody remembers those. Like I wasn't here in the early, (laughs) early days, but I was here a decade ago and it was different. And now it's just like, it's, it's a wall of people. How do you stand out? Well, the first thing to do is not ask for something. Um, I was asked uh, a couple of years ago, and this was this was, okay. I'm going to take a little side trip into like personal territory, but it's, um, and I don't like, I don't want to make your face go like, wait a second, what are we doing? Do we, do we edit this? Um, <laughs> my partner asked me, I was it. trying to value whether or not to hire someone. And this sounds really bougie, but I, I, I was trying to weigh whether or not I could afford to hire someone to clean the house. And it seemed expensive, but I also, you know, you don't want to go with like the absolute cheapest version. You want to go with someone who will hopefully treat it like their own home. And the the value of that and what I was getting paid at the time did not really measure up. And the anxiety was there, but I was also, I think this was in the time when I was early in the boot camp, or I was really trying to grow my career. So I was working a ton and like things were falling by the wayside. And finally they asked me, Hey, what do you value your time per hour at? And I'm like, oh, well, I get paid this much per hour. And they're like, no, 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 not what they value your time at. What do you value your time at? What would an hour allow you to do with your time? And essentially it came down to about $50 an hour. So um, that's how much I I pay my my house cleaner. And it is (laughs) the best money I spend every two weeks for just three hours. Like it's not a lot, honestly, it's keeping the, the basics done and it emotionally frees me up. So the reason I tie that back in is like my time's worth money to me and it yep. should be valued by the person who is asking me for my intellectual, my, my, my knowledge, the, the, the yep. information I have that can help them. So one of the things that I don't recommend doing is leading with an ask of, let me have some of your time. That's, Ooh, that's already like, excuse you. I don't know you from a hole in the ground. Why should I give you some of my time? So leading with questions is great but I think leading with contact and um, genuine curiosity is even better. So instead of reaching out to say, hi, can I have 15 to 20 to 30 minutes of your time? I would reach out and say, hey, I've already done some of this effort. I've looked at the work that you've put out in the world, or I've seen a YouTube video. I thought this was interesting. And I have a follow-up question showing genuine curiosity in the other person mm, that, right, uh, to, right. to say, I, I think you have value and I would like to learn from that value. Like that's a respectful way to approach people and, and to get them to want to give you some of their time. And it also shows that they already did some work before they even contacted you. Yeah. Like I looked you up and I spent time going through your content that you've already taken a lot of time and effort to put together. I've seen your YouTube videos. They're very professional. <laughs> a lot of time, I'm sure, editing, you know, all the equipment you had to buy to do that to make it sound good and look good. I mean, that's not cheap, right? So, you know, that takes effort just even 
browsing, you know, yeah. Google to figure out what camera to buy. I mean, that takes time <laughs> and effort, right? It, sure. it does. So, you know, I mean, it shows that they valued that amount of effort to go and look up the stuff you've already done. Yeah. And so, you know, that already shows like I did some effort. Now I have another question that you haven't answered yet. Right. Can you help me? Yeah. And it also makes the person on the other side, and this is not just me, but other folks I've talked to are like, wow, it shows me that you have a genuine interest in being here, not checking a box for your, for your boot camp. Like reaching out for networking and asking super vague generic questions that you could literally Google. Don't do that. That's, that's not showing me that you've given thought to what you want to get out of this network other than like, let me have a connection um, so that my number ticks up or so that hopefully I can have access to your network. That's, that's a, a very disingenuine, uh, what's the word, transactional kind of way to do it. So I'm curious, like, uh, what's your thought on utilizing some of the other maybe less utilized functions of LinkedIn, like specifically the comments? Section. Oh, the comments are the first place I would start. If they're, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I, I probably, I, I just laugh because um, there's not a whole lot of people who are, I'm super like Im- impressed. I don't want to say impressed. Lots of people impress me. I don't fangirl over a lot of people. So um, I don't have a lot of people where I'm like, ooh, let me go stalk you and find out if you want to give me some attention, shine your light on me. <laughs> um, but there's a there's a few people that I would I would want to connect with. And and this would be, let me actually take this back and not just, hey, I'm entering this industry. Let me get to know some people, some thought leaders, some some people who are who are driving the industry. But if I was looking for a job and I was excited about just like one company, and I I, I don't even have a company I can name off the top, top of my head, I'd be like, ooh they're my jam. And I'm, I really want to make a good impression. So like reaching out to people who are at my level there, uh, would be like my first thing, but it wouldn't just be like, let me slide into your DMS. It's, Hey, Ooh, let me, let me follow you first. Let me see if you have content that's interesting. Cause one of the things that we're doing this networking for is to find out, are you the kind of person that I want to be <laughs> as I joke on the jump seat next to you? Because in the event of an emergency, we're going to work together to evacuate this plane and that there are no real emergencies in UX, like I hope. Uh, no emergencies <laughs> that I have found over the last nine years. But to know that you want to engage in a personal level with someone, like you spend how many hours a year? To over 2,000, over 2,000 hours. And that's just your base 40 hours. Um, Was it 2080, 2080 hours a year? Um, and that's your base 40. And let's be real. I'm not good at math. That's why I'm a designer. I have no idea. Right. I know. <laughs> uh, and like, let's be real. I'm thinking about work well after that. So I spend lots of time with these humans. I want to know if, are you a good person? Are you interesting? Are you funny? Are you kind? Are you compassionate? I want to follow you first and find out some more information. And then I might engage on your posts and say, oh, that's really interesting. What do you think about this? Or Ooh, thanks for posting this. That was really helpful. And then share it to my network. Those are really easy ways to get on somebody's radar while also doing your own little stealth research on who are you? Absolutely. You made a good point there too, because just sending someone a DM, like without looking up who they are, let's say they do give you time. And then that 30 minutes is a total waste to you because you're like, I don't like this person at all. I don't, I don't believe anything they said. They're full of crap. You Your know, time's so like, valuable I, the, too. So like, are you, yeah, do you want to give them sides, 20 sure. minutes? Ugh. Yeah. You ever been on a call? You want to get off soon? You're just like, <laughs> so I'll give you 40 minutes of your time back. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I just forgot. I have a meeting. I got to run to. I'm late. Uh, so yeah, I, I think like that's something to think about too. It's like from the side of the person trying to do the networking, 
you have to know who you're actually getting advice from. You don't want to just get advice from anybody, right? This is another thing like, you know, Darren Hood, I know mentions all the time, you know, uh, you know, vet your sources, yes. find out who you're actually learning from. Because if you learn from the, the wrong asshole, <laughs> you're going to go and just think, oh, this is all that. true, you know? I was actually yeah, exactly. just talking the other day and <laughs> we're going to do a little side tangent here again. I'm watching Below Deck Sailing Yacht, which is just the best What's TV. That? Oh gosh, it's on Bravo. It's, is it's this absolute like a reality tra- it's, okay. Yeah, it's reality. It's absolute <laughs> I, trash. Um, but like, it's the best junk food for your brain ever, uh, except for like Ted Lasso. That's funny and charming and wholesome. This is just reality TV show of people who work on a super yacht. It's so far mm. removed from, from the world. But it's because it's such a small little ecosystem that they have a, a really specific hierarchy. They've got your chief stewardess, chief stew, second stew and third stew and whatever. And- you don't know how to be a good second stew if you haven't had a good chief stew teaching you. You don't know how to be a good yeah. manager or a good uh, a good people person until someone has taught you or you've watched and learned from them. So if you're learning from the wrong person, you're going to take those bad habits and build your career on bad habits. And that is the last thing I want junior designers or early career designers to do. I, I like to use the analogy of a gymnast learning to do a backflip, mm. right? Like, you could go online, you could read a book, you could watch a YouTube video, how to do a backflip, and then you could go in your backyard and try and to do a backflip all by yourself. <laughs> and you could break your neck. You might do a backflip, but, but you, you also, you really also could, might fail. could break your neck, you know, or you could find the right gym. You could go and shop around for the right gym, find a gym. They have the safety equipment. They could hands-on, know your back, you got to do this or oh, flip, you know, slowly show you and, and, and teach you how to do a backflip. You know, so you have to, though, you have to go find the right gym. You can't just like go and first gym you, you pull up to and, and, you know, you might break your neck there too. Right. So like, it's all about finding the yes. right gym to learn how to do it. Not even the right gym, but like the right coach, the person that you vibe yeah, with. It could that's be the right like, coach. Yeah, I genuinely gym. have your health and safety at like the top of my priority list. Uh, yeah, no, it, it matters. So why, to follow that analogy, why would you just pick the next gym? This is this matters. So your networking matters too. May not be your body Absolutely. that could be damaged, but like your career uh, could be impacted and the way it could grow are impacted by how you start this outreach, how you start this network. So the thing that I'm thinking about, right, is the, all the things that you're saying, right? This takes time. Mm. This is not something you can just do overnight. And the thing that I think back to is the, the fact that it's an assignment, the way, the way that it's assigned is you're, you're, what's the right word? You're incentivizing the wrong, the wrong metric. You're tracking the wrong, wrong, right. The wrong metric. Right. Exactly. So in this case, you're saying by Friday, you should message 20 people. That is not going, the the outcome is completely lost there. The outcome isn't messaging the people. The outcome is the connection. the network. Exactly. And so you're, you're incentivizing the wrong behavior, mm-hmm. you know, whereas, you know, find a meaningful connection by the end of the quarter yes. with one person, yes. you know, or build a meaningful connection by the end of the year with two people, whatever yeah. it is. Like, you know, that to me would be the type of assignment versus just go message people. Right. Here's a script, you know, like a cold calling script, like you're a salesman. And, and the funny thing with that is like cold called salesmen, they message or email or phone what hundreds of people a day and, and get they like might a get 3%, 3%, yeah, 10%, exactly. yeah, whatever it is. So, you know, but you're not building meaningful relationships. You're just, you know, hitting your numbers. So I just want to point that out. Like that's something is just transactional. Exactly. Like you said, you know, just going, doing it for the sake of doing it is com- the complete wrong. You've lost the reason. value in it. So like when you make it the assignment and that's the metric you check, you're like, Oh, okay, cool. You've done that. But 
what's the, what's the true value of it? So I don't, I don't know how to change that assignment. Like I, I know it's, it's recommended. I know it's also people who are moving through this boot camp experience, whether it's the, the three month or the six month or however many weeks there are, there's only so much information that you can cram into a human brain at one time. And I, I get that it has to be assigned because otherwise if you say, oh, you should also, should also means, you know, if you have time. And that's the other thing to keep in mind too. Like a lot of times people boot camps, they have full-time jobs. They yes. are also doing this on nights and weekends, you know? And so you're right. I mean, there is a lot, there's certainly a bit of empathy that you have to have for the, for the students as well. Um, I think it's, it's, you know, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer. Maybe you no. do, but I, how, well, let me ask you this. How do you do it with your students or do you do this with your students? How, and if you do, how do, do you do it? I do. I um, do. And this is, and this is where I think, I think the, uh, the boot camp choice matters, but also your boot camp instructor matters. So Debbie Levitt, like we talked earlier, or like we mentioned earlier, uh, she has an entire video. I, I swear it might be video 110, but like, don't quote me, <laughs> you uh, where she talks about how to critically think about the boot camp that you're looking into. And it is important that you know who your instructor is going to be. First of all, this is your, your introduction into how to do things right. And also if you build a rapport, which hopefully you do over however long a period of time your boot camp is for with this person, like this is your first exposure to another person's network. So I am pretty careful about, Hey, I'm not going to introduce you to random, awesome people that I know until I can trust that you're going to essentially represent me well as well. So we talk about um, these things. I encourage them. I've actually given them, I don't want to say assignments, but they're kind of assignments where I'm like, <laughs> but like the assignment isn't go connect with 20 people. The assignment is go find one person's post and share it with the class and tell me your thoughts about it. Like give, mm, give me yeah. what you would comment. And then let's talk about the comment and help them think through like, what's a valuable comment? Not like, Hey, thanks for sharing. But like how, uh, I yeah, see what agree. you said here with point A <laughs> and then point B was really interesting. I have this thought, it's point Z. Uh, how does that relate in your opinion? Like that's a valuable question that starts a conversation and that shows you have a thought process. You've got critical thinking, but also um, you can extrapolate from topics. So that's the kind of meaningful connection that I encourage them to, to do outreach for. And I would encourage this starting from week one, people get to like halfway through the boot camp and they start to go, Oh, okay. I feel like I st I'm starting to know what I'm talking about. No, 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 no. Your LinkedIn should have been started on day one <laughs> and you should have been yep. out there attempting to learn and connect with folks. But again, no one's taught how to network. So it's not like we teach Absolutely. it in school. So even as an adult learner coming into a boot camp, I don't expect you to know this. So it's things that I work in in small ways that I feel have been um, standardized testing sort of in some of these boot camps that make it sure it's an assignment, but you can you can personalize. Part of the problem, I think, this is my assumption, my hypothesis, that LinkedIn, there's so many people. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people you could follow. Mm -hmm. And it gets to be somewhat overwhelming, right? You end up with like sort of the paralysis of choice. And what I tell people a lot, I want to, I'd love to get your thoughts here is, you know, find your niche, find the industry that you're passionate about, healthcare, uh, enterprise, I don't know, commercial tools right. or, or chat tools or whatever it is you're really passionate about, health, health tech, fintech, food tech, whatever. And what I tell a lot of people, I've, I've run across a lot of people who had a background in the service industry. And they really wanted to get into food tech. So, you know, you've already got sort of like something that you can then relate to a person who works in food tech. 
you've already, you're starting to build some common ground, something you could start a conversation with yeah. versus just a random thing. So, you know, if you find, you know, what are you passionate about? Like for me, for instance, it's enterprise. I love enterprise. Oh, software. so you love data tables. I love dashboards and, <laughs> and data dashboards. tables. Um, Got it. <laughs> no, I, what I love about enterprise is not the visual piece of it, but it's, it's helping people to do their job easier. Mm-hmm. Like I love enterprise. And so I'm really passionate about helping you, some poor schmuck who has no say in the tools they've been assigned to use making their tools better <laughs> so that they don't go home You're speaking my language, Jeremy. That's exactly <laughs> right? what I focus on too. Oh, yeah. Gosh. So I love that. And I will never apply to a meta or a Google because I just have absolutely no interest in that shit. Same. So like, and if, if that's you, you've got some unique thing to bring to the table to start a conversation with somebody yes. who works in enterprise. So don't go out and find someone at Google to talk to if you have no interest in working for a company like that. Right. You know, now that's just a vanity metric. I'm just connecting with other humans to make my number count get higher. Okay. I've got an ex Googler, ex Fitbit, ex blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I think, uh, I think that's something to think about if you are having trouble deciding who to follow or who to reach out to, uh, hopefully follow first, like you mentioned, um, you know, do that and think about your why and think about what you want to get out of this. Start with why. Exactly. Start with your why. I got, where's my book? There you go. Find your why. Start, oh, start with my why is in another room. Oh, it's right here. I got it right here. Nice. I got the. I love that book. Um, so anyway, um, I assume you're referencing. Of course. Simon yeah, Sinek's no, no. Book. Simon Sinek. Okay. Let's make sure. I'm like, maybe there's something else you're talking about. Totally. Uh, so anyway, I don't know. I'm curious. Like your thoughts sounds like you're you were nodding along. Nobody can see that. Oh, out yeah, in, in, sorry. Uh, in podcast world, that's okay. I didn't want to be like, uh huh, uh huh, uh-huh, in your ear. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all right. Yes, narrow down on narrow down on anything. Like, let's be real. It doesn't anything, have to be right, your yeah. passion. It can just be something that you have a little bit of knowledge about. It makes you feel a little bit more empowered to go, oh, I have, I, I understood that reference. If we want to throw the Captain America in there, I understood that yeah. reference. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's important to know that you have something of value to add to the conversation. I think a lot of people coming out of boot camps feel like, I don't, I don't know anything. I'm a babe in the woods. I'm a little neophyte. And you're not, you have life experience that you have brought to this. It is Hopefully, part of why you got excited about UX because you're you were unsatisfied in these other job choices or these other career roles that you've had, and you came to UX because you're like, oh, I like solving problems. I like I like people, mm-hmm. and I want them to have a better life. <laughs> uh, yeah. Find anything that you can lean into that you can find common ground. I really hate using this term, but I don't know um, a better term. Or I mean, now now I'm like interrupting myself with my own wokeness. But uh, the, <laughs> the the concept of finding your tribe, which I know is very uh, again, I don't know. Find your group. Find find the people that you vibe your with. Community. Your yeah. community. Yeah, and community, yeah. and then you can branch out from there because it's like a it's like little overlap of these little like oh you've got. Uh, cake entrepreneurs, people who love to to run their cake business have a, a, a realm of knowledge, but they also have a realm of knowledge with like event planners. And event mm-hmm. planners have a lot in common with travel planners. And like all of these things are connected, but you need to find one thing, not just like a spray and pray of the whole universe. Like, please, someone pay attention to me, connect with me. That's hard. And you're wearing yourself out doing that. So find something that you have at least a little bit of knowledge about and connect with some uh, some leaders in that space. And you mentioned something too, I, it's worth pointing out is, you know, you're wearing yourself out. You do this, you know, same with like, and this is again, why I say, you know, stop applying and start connecting. You could send a hundred, 200 resumes a week. That takes a lot of effort, you know, spend less time 
making it more meaningful. I mean, people who tell me that they have put 300 applications out this week, I'm like, cool, you're going to get a, about a 0% return on that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not meaningful. And I also wonder like, what is, what does the application process look like? It's why, it's why you go to jobs on LinkedIn and you see that there are 14,000 applicants for like one entry level position. First of all, there's not enough entry level jobs, obviously. Uh, but it's, it's like, are you throwing yourself into the ring meaningfully or are you just like, please somebody. And that, that like touches on an entirely different topic. That's not here, which is, um, if you're putting out this many applications and getting zero responses, like what's your critical thought? What, what, what should you change? What's your experiment yeah. telling you? Uh, the scientific Absolutely. process applies. So what, I want to talk about something too, with regards to networking, but, and this is, uh, you know, again, not necessarily applying to people who are still in a boot camp, but talking about people who have finished the boot camp and are now looking for a job. Um, I'm curious, specific techniques or advice that you might give to somebody to help them in their job hunt as it relates to LinkedIn or just in networking in general, let's just ignore LinkedIn for a minute, but just networking in general as it relates to their job hunt. This is, and I love when you tell people to, uh, to stop applying and start networking. Like that is critical. The problem I think people struggle with, or the thing I think people struggle with in this instance is knowing what that balance is and knowing what their expected timeline should be on, on, on the value, uh, the return on that investment, essentially. Um, I'm spending the time connecting with, with people. How soon should I expect them to return my message? How soon should I expect to build an inter informational interview with someone at a company I'm interested in working at? It's a very slow game. And this is why, like, from week one, you should start uh, building that network and finding people that you connect with and really and truly looking for, looking to find a mentor. So all of these networking outreaches that I do, I am hoping to find someone to inspire me. So I, at nine years, I still have, I have several mentors and I think everyone should have them. So like the entire point to me of networking is to eventually find that one person or multiple people, if possible, to help you navigate a uh, corporate worlds, to be your corporate sponsor, someone who is at a much higher level in the company that sees your potential and that can help you find projects and things to lean in on to eventually shine. And it starts with that first conversation. Those are not magical con uh, connections. Like no one assigns you a mentor at your first job. Uh, no one. <laughs> here's your mentor. Here's your laptop. Here's your mentor. <laughs> like, not only is this your mentor, but this is the person who is genuinely, genuinely cares about you. If someone assigned me someone, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, we'll see if in the next yeah. six months you turn out to yeah, be a we'll critical see how thinker. Often we actually talk, yeah. Um, yeah. So like the, I think the goal, if we were to set the intention, start with why, why are you trying to network? It's not to create a higher number of connections on LinkedIn. That that ship has sailed in terms of like what impact that has on your network, unless you're a content creator, in which case, who knows? Uh, mm -hmm. I, I am, yeah. I'm not. So I'm just like, well, maybe that maybe that's way more valuable for some folks. But the intention for me is I want to connect with people who I know can positively impact my world. Maybe that's because they put out good content or because they're constantly uh, sharing information and updates in their niche. Like I follow Ethan Marcotte still. Uh, the guy who wrote responsive web design years and years ago, he kind of came up with the idea of responsive web yeah. design, media queries and uh, images that resize and stuff. 
And no, that's not my world anymore, but I, I follow people like that in the hopes of connecting. And I actually, I got to interview Ethan Marcotte for when I was building oh. the curriculum and I really did straight up fangirl. <laughs> I was like, we're going to cut wow. this part off. What is he up to nowadays? Uh, writing some really interesting stuff. I think yesterday I shared a post of his, but uh, you should read World, Worldwide Work uh, talking about okay. um, tech unionizing and how we oh, are wow. creating... Okay essentially multiple cast systems within the tech industry because of what work we outsource to different kinds of very, very, very thoughtful and intelligent. Um, You should definitely talk to him. I think he would have a lot. I I think he has a lot to do with the world of UX. Right on. Yeah, that's awesome. I, um, I hadn't thought about that in a long time, but yeah, that's, uh, that's a good advice. I love it. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, um, you know, I, I often tell people too, this is like, you know, I don't know how you feel about avocado toast. Uh, I'm like okay with toast? it. It's not going to make me mortgage okay. my house. I, I don't, I don't I know what the obsession is. Toast. It's, it's delicious, <laughs> but I, I go in those cycles where I'm like, I'm obsessed with this food and then I'll never eat it again. So I think I've been through my avocado toast. Tell you days. what, I love a good, I so say like a good sourdough, good oh. thick cut, crispy mm. sourdough toasted on the outside, but, but still soft yes. on the inside. With a little bit of, uh, you know, avocado, obviously, chili oil, mm. chili crisps. Yes. Chili crisp oil. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then um, that's it. When did Maybe this turn like, into a food podcast? I don't know. Anyway, well, I got an analogy. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, you, you, you really want avocado toast. You love avocado toast. You don't plant an avocado in the backyard and expect avocado that night for dinner no. if you want to make avocado toast. I guess you eat it for breakfast or a brunch. You don't, you don't plan it Sunday morning expecting it for brunch that day. No. So, you know, if you want avocado toast, you have to like plant the avocado seed. It might take years to grow an avocado, but you don't wait until you're ready to eat the, the nice, ripe, green, just soft, wonderful, you know, little chili oil. You don't wait until you're ready for that to plant the avocado yes. toast, which is, you know, obviously Perfect a metaphor analogy. for networking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you, and you said day, day one, start day Stay, one. Start you don't day wait one. until... You don't wait until the assignment. You don't wait until you start applying for jobs. You think about that. Why? What are you into? You find those people. You start networking. And that whole six months, a year, you're building the relationship. Yes. And then once you're ready, that person already knows because you've had so many conversations. You've interacted with them so many times. And then they just think of you. And you don't even have to ask. They just know. Exactly. You know, oh, Megan, I've been talking to her. She'd be a great fit. Totally. I mean, this is how senior designers get jobs, right? Like when's the last time you didn't get a job or like, sorry, now I'm going to do a double negative. Um, When's the (laughs) last time you really had to like go suss out in your network who's hiring and whatever. Most of the time after a certain number of years, it's because, oh, I know so-and-so I worked with Megan at this last thing. You should totally bring her her, in for this role. And that's because we built a network. So I know the boot camp is like the expedient version of getting into a new industry. So it's not just UX that's doing boot camps, obviously. Uh, but like it's it's six months. It's a very compressed timeline. So you've got to start ahead of time planting those avocado seeds in order to reap the benefits of beautiful avocado toast later. We're going to get yeah. weird on this analogy, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you mentioned, it was funny, you mentioned like content creators. Because I'm doing like the podcast and mm-hmm. stuff, I tend to follow a lot of like those content creators on LinkedIn. And I think a lot of UX people probably haven't heard of some of these folks, but there's a lot of like LinkedIn marketers that use LinkedIn as a way to sell their business, right? And which is totally fine, Um, you know, versus something like Facebook, which is, you know, you're not there to do work. You're there. You're usually on LinkedIn for a professional reason. Be be the (laughs) consumer of the business, essentially. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're the product in that case. Um, But in the case of LinkedIn, you've got a lot of these marketers. And so there's there's this one guy, I love reading his stuff, but his name is... uh, 
Yasmin Alic. Alic. Okay. Uh, where is he from? I'm looking for oh, Bosnia. He's from Bosnia Herzegovina. So so um, I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong. He goes by Jay, but Yasmin is probably Yasmin if I had to guess. Yeah. Anyway, he has got you know just so much great stuff on LinkedIn about how to build a brand. Mm-hmm. And I think like so many people, like in the UX side, like they don't think about themselves, especially when they're hiring or, or, or looking for a job as their own brand. Right. You know, the way you present yourself that represents your brand, the way you talk about your work, the way you, your, your website, your case studies, yes. like all of this, that is your brand. And I think we would do well to like observe some of these marketers and, uh, and how they interact with other people. Absolutely. On the thing that I love, he's got like this whole thing about how to use the LinkedIn comments to build a network. And I would just advise like anybody out there to go and find his work. And he posts like daily on LinkedIn, nice. but he talks about how to just like, you know, one thing I love, he, what is the thing he says? So like you, um, you know, the little bell, LinkedIn just added yeah. a little bell recently. So you can now get notified. Smash so you that find like those button. People, Click that bell. Smash the like <laughs> button, bro. So, uh, you know, hit the little bell and every time they post, you'll get notified and then you are the first one to comment. So they see you first. Cause a lot of times with these senior people, like, I don't know if you do this, I tend to do this cause I, I post like, try to post like daily, but I use like a scheduling thing. So like, I'm not on LinkedIn all the time. It looks like I might be, but I'm, I'm like, not. I unfortunately so, you know, am. I, it is very much brain to <laughs> keyboard. It's not always the best idea, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, you know, so in that case, like you get notified and you're the first one to see it. So then that, you know, they they might post and then they start to get notified the way an algorithm or whatever works. Mm-hmm. You, you don't get a notification every time someone likes or comments, just usually the first couple people. Yeah. So you could be the, you know, that's how to get on their radar and then your comment and you like, and it's something thoughtful, like you're saying. Yes. And this is how you start to build that sort of, um, recognition, I guess. Yeah. But brand you're also building your, your own, yeah, your own yeah. brand. By having thoughtful comments, by being that person who is like, ooh, follow-up question, blah, 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 blah. Uh, being the person who asks good questions. I mean, let's be real. Asking good questions is the foundation oh, of UX, which is, is part job. of what yeah. makes me worried when I see boot camp students out and they're not even modifying the questions to be relevant to themselves. I'm like, ooh, are we sure that UX is a good decision? <laughs> um, no. I actually just recorded something earlier today and I'll, I'll share it here. It'll be, I'll post it in a couple of days, but basically it's like, uh, if you, if you're not critically thinking about the questions that you're asking, are you really, can you consider yourself a UX designer? Um, because mm. I, I'm, I'm worried that maybe you can't. Yeah. You're, you're a pixel pusher. Yeah. And, you're gonna, and we need you're those, turn but fact. they aren't as <laughs> valuable. So the, the market's very oversaturated and it's not because we're full of talent. It's because we're full of bodies that have come out of a boot camp, and I would I would say <laughs> I think I said this. Um, so when I kicked off my last cohort, my most recent cohort, I did a ask me anything. I posted it on ADP list and LinkedIn to say, hey, if you're headed into this course or you're thinking about joining this course, let's do an AMA and make sure that you're in the right decision or making the right decision, but also make sure you vibe with me. Um, this is a six months, very intense, 930 plus hours thing. You should definitely vibe with your instructor. There's a few who definitely did not attend and who definitely do not. Uh, but <laughs> I said in this AMA that I think it's about 10% of the class and it, it has proven pretty consistent. About 10% of the class is definitely going to do great. And there's about 10% of the class that is definitely not going to do great. They got sold a bill of goods. Either they didn't pay attention. They didn't ask critical questions of the admissions, which let's be real, are just sales. I don't care if it's actual higher ed or a boot camp. Those are salespeople. Yeah. 
somebody come for me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm opening a floodgate there, but like there's salespeople. But if you just got sold this idea of what the future could look like for you without thinking, is this really what I'm looking for? Um, I'm worried that this was not a great investment for some of those folks. So um, this is this is an oversaturation of talent market, talent being just the human bodies that can fill roles. But I think there is probably about 25% of the talent um, that's out there right now, the people who are looking for jobs are actually going to be able to land them uh, because they have a natural aptitude. Everybody else is going to have to work really, really hard to overcome that. And part of it is the critical thinking. What is the what? Is, what am I looking for? And the asking good questions. If you're not asking good questions, I don't know that you can be a great designer. There's that grimace face. That's though. true. I, this is what I, I don't know if this is like oversimplifying our work too much, but this is, I tell people this a lot and maybe, maybe this is wrong, but I say, if you ask the right questions of the right people in the right way, mm-hmm. the answers generally just show themselves and you don't really have to do a lot of work. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it just becomes so obvious, you know? We're knowledge workers and there's a ton of stuff we do that is us just thinking about stuff. Right. And that is hard for people who have come from like an hourly, like I I transfer or I share one hour of my labor for one hour of the pay you will receive for me. That's different for knowledge workers. I will spend a day thinking of a question. Am I thinking of it 24 seven? Probably not. I'm busy like making dinner and whatever, but I'm thinking about it like, oh, how would I phrase that? Mm -hmm. Oh, that was interesting. And it's just like listening to the world around me and having it like in the back of my mind. Yeah, the questions is a big deal. So if you're not asking questions about who you're networking with and why you're intending to network with them and what you expect to get out of this, uh, this, this connection request, like those are questions that are super essential to your success in networking and in your job. I think that is a wonderful spot. To end for today. I know you've got to run in a little bit. I know. I brought it back around. I'm really proud of that. I, no, I think that was great. <laughs> I, I love it. Anything else to add before, before I've got some questions to ask just so we can get to know you a little bit better. Anything else to add that you think we didn't cover? Anything we're missing? Uh, no, but I will, if you don't mind, I'll take this opportunity to say, uh, so my, my cohort wraps up in a few weeks and the next thing I want to do, because I want to help them transition successfully out of a boot camp. I think one of the problems that with boot camps is that it goes super intense and then it drops off to nothing and people are left going, okay, what next? So my goal is to do, and I, I love a challenge. I love like a, a little short, okay, I just need to do 10 minutes a day kind of thing to, to get into the habit of it. So I'm creating a 15 day challenge of like, let's do tiny steps for 10 minutes every day for 15 days. And I mean, business days, I'm not, I'm not hanging out with y'all on weekends. I love you, <laughs> but no, uh, but just 15 days of like, here's one small thing that you can do each day to build your networking muscle. And also that. to build a quality network. So um, I will be kicking that off in a few weeks and I will, I'll tell you about it. I'll share it with you. Um, yeah, but do. I I'd just, love to share it as well. I, I would love for more people to go, all right, let's, let's take this uh, a little slower and look at how to build a thoughtful, meaningful network from the ground up. I love it. All right. So we've got some questions. You ready to get started? Let's do it. All right. First thing that comes to your mind, you don't have to think too hard about them. Wink, wink. <laughs> uh, All right. What's your favorite non-design book? That is such a hard question because there's a trilogy that I return to over and over again when I need like comfort food for the brain. And then there's the book where I'm like, this is for smart people and I should be reading it. Um, The smart people book, I'm reading Sapiens by Noah Yuval Harari. I think that's how to pronounce it. I got that Oh my gosh, I'm halfway through it and I'm just like flabbergasted. It's It's a great book. It helps me understand 
just people a little mm-hmm. better. And it also makes me go, oh, we are we're just doing the we're same thing over and over again. <laughs> yeah, oh, what are we doing? no. <laughs> We've been here before. Yeah, We've that's a great it. book. Um, yeah, the whole, uh, what was, I, it's been like years since I read it, but there was a section in there about um, like the Industrial Revolution and just how that just like completely screwed all, just all kinds of stuff up, like all it over the world. changed the just trajectory changed everything of humans. Completely yeah. Just, yeah. Anyway, fascinating book. Um, Such a I, good book. I started talking and then I was like, wait a minute. Now I actually, I remember being fascinating, but now I don't remember exactly what it was because no it was so long ago. It's really easy to, to get through. I, yeah, I do it recommend really it because it's like small chapters. It's it's definitely like you can read it before bed and then just mm-hmm. chew on it for a little bit and yeah. go, wow, that's. Yeah. And he's got a series too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He's got a bunch. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, anyway, that's a great book. I, I love that book. What's your favorite non-design podcast? I am, lots of people are going to agree. True crime obsessed. I am obsessed with Jillian Pensavale and Patrick mm. Hines. They recap documentaries about crimes, but they do it in a very fun and sarcastic way. He is, uh, he is the super gay that hits like high whistle register, <laughs> hysterical laughing. And she is the dry, sarcastic New York um, kind of a little bitchy, but in like a love it, like I love her kind of way. Um, they are everything to me. So I, I, I part, I'm going to send them a link to this just to be like, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> and then if they promote the show, it works win-win for everybody. Right. Win-win right. for everybody. Yeah. They're so good. All right. What is your favorite meal? My favorite meal. Okay. So I had to think about this. And this could be, this could be something you cook, something you've eaten. It could be something you know, your grandma used to cook, oh. whatever, anything, anything at all, anything you've ever put in your mouth that you would consider a meal. <laughs> so I thought about it from the food I cook, but like, I'll give a shout out to the purple pig in Chicago. I was there mm. for work in January and I found this restaurant and ate there for three of my five dinner meals. That counts. It was that counts. so good. They were amazing. It's one of those tapas places with yeah. phenomenal Ooh, wine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was going to say my my favorite recipe is like a uh, cast iron pan seared or roasted um, pork, pork, uh, what are those? Mm. Not pork tenderloin. Like those. pork chop? Thank you. Pork chop. <laughs> you know, Ooh, words. God, pork it. chops and mm. roasted uh, Brussels sprouts and smashed sweet potatoes. Like, Ooh, oh, smashed sweet potatoes. Now potato. I'm going to have to rearrange my dinner plans for this. You know what's really good is uh, some like pan seared, like, like you get the crispy pork chop. With mm-hmm. red beans and rice coming from New what? Orleans. Red beans and rice with a pork chop. Oh my God. That's like okay. something a lot of people outside of New Orleans would probably never See, think that's a thing. Send me a recipe because oh I don't God. think I've had a good one. I've had like mediocre, like it made for a crowd red beans and rice. So like yeah. I want I want a good one. Send me a you recipe. You know the thing with, you ask somebody from New Orleans for the recipe, nobody's got it written down. You got to like just think Just about like, it. like what shout do I put? it, measure with your heart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little of this, a little of that, you know, whatever I got okay in there. That. That's what I, yeah. Um, I, I could write it down. Yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. I, I mean, you can just gotta... word vomit it into a, like a, a voice note and I'll be like, uh-huh, yep. Just a, like a, a, you know, a handful oh, of man. sugar. Sure, let's do it. I love it. You got to get, uh, you got to get the dried red beans. Though. That's the thing. I don't know. Can, I guess it. Portland, you guys probably have like kidney beans, kidney yeah. beans, you know, yeah. Yeah, any, whatever. It doesn't matter. Totes. But you got to get the right ones. You got to get the, the light red, large yeah. kidney beans. Cause I've yep. seen, we moved up to Ohio and the Kroger dark has. red beans. They have really thick skin. Yeah. The light ones is hard to find. And then a lot of, I found like the small kidney beans too, which is weird. They're like little baby red beans. Ew. Anyway, That's you got to find the right ones, but you could probably get them on Amazon or some, some online if you're not cool with Amazon. All right. Yeah. I will write that. And I will be sure to do that. Uh, what is Thank your you. favorite design tool that is not Figma? Post-it notes. 
Ooh, I love it. That's like a spoken like a true <laughs> that uh, is, researcher. They're good for keeping track of things. It's good for like visualizing. Like I love a post-it note. I have um, like you know, an embarrassingly large stack of post-it. So I do the same. So here's the thing. I'm going to show you my post. Like I, I made. I bought these from Staples. These are like the generic ones. By the way. If you're going to buy post-it notes, buy the, buy the 3M ones. Don't buy the yes, generic ones. Don't buy the but look generic at this. ones. Look how stupid this is. They're yeah, like, no, those are meant to come out of a pop-up container. Yeah, but like the What's problem the is like- What's the on that? Well, the other day, look, I did this up here. I have it somewhere. I like started right and I realized, wait, it's upside down because the last yeah. one came off and then they flip every, every, every you can't Hate see those. at home, but they're like- I'm showing them in the video, which I don't post the video, so no one's going to see. But anyway, they should like go in like YouTube time. shorts. We should definitely have this. <laughs> anyway, this drives me nuts. This is such a bad UX. This is like bad so dumb. UX. Anyway, but I use that. I, it's just a quick notes, and uh, I wrote upside down, and like I had an upside down one, and it's like hanging backwards. It's stupid. Anyway, post notes. I'm with you. I love it. All right. Well, that is it for me for today. I don't have anything else. You got anything else? Uh, I mean, well, I actually, have lots, but we'll talk about that more well, later. Let's, um, let's do this. I want to give you a plug, and uh, let's talk about your YouTube series yeah. if you want. You want to promote that? Anything else you want to plug? I mean, you can plug whatever you want. You don't have to plug what I said. I will, I will talk about the UX Social Club. Is yes, um, Like I do. said, it's for capital G, capital P, good people. Um, I believe in each one, teach one, and everyone turning around to help the person behind them. I do not believe in pulling the ladder up behind me. I am especially focused on helping women feel successful, but also uh, we need more black and brown folks in our design world. I think 4% of designers are black, and that just seems like a really low representation, especially when we end up with products where like hand soap dispensers, where darker skin, melanated skin can't actually get so y'all, come on. It's because we did not have people of color in the design process. So I'm a big fan of that. Um, it's a Patreon. I post at least twice a month. I'm a big fan of worksheets. I love videos. I do uh, portfolio reviews. It's $3 a month on my Patreon. And if you're a, a learning designer, if you're a working designer, it's like $9. It's not a big deal, but I, I love it and I love helping people. So yeah, if you want to come join me over there, you got to be good people though. So capital oh, yeah. G, capital P, good people. And what's the URL for that? That is uxsocialclub.com. All right, nice. And then my, my YouTube's interesting. My YouTube, I'm, I'm reading uh, a, a historical newsletter every day. Uh, there's a professor, Heather Cox Richardson. I read... I read her letters from an American every day. So it's definitely jumbled up with my with my UX content, but eh, it's all still relevant to me. So yeah, come over and join me on, on YouTube. I find myself very entertaining on short videos. <laughs> so uh, I do this lots of the time and I do it for me. So I'm, I'm very excited if you'll join me too. Right on. All right, we'll post all that stuff in the show notes. I really appreciate it. All right, y'all. I think that's it for us for today. I hope Megan and I helped to give you guys a little bit of insight into how to network and how not to network and yes. how to do it right. Uh, you know, if you got any questions, find us on LinkedIn. And remember, critical thinking. Make sure you ask the right questions if you find us on LinkedIn. But yes. you know, we're curious. Have you found any any tips or tricks that worked for you guys? For y'all, if uh, if you have, uh, shoot me an email at hello at beyondyouxdesign.com or find me on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. And if you like what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you feel like you're getting something out of the show, I would love it if you left a five-star review. That would be amazing and help me out so much. And if you know somebody who might find any of this stuff useful, why don't you tell them about it? And if you want to help keep the show independent and ad-free, check out those Patreon sponsor packages at beyonduxdesign.com support. You can join Chris, Siraquan, Stacy, and Radu by supporting the show for as little as $3 a month. And there are some sweet perks like a badass holographic Beyond UX Design sticker, which 
I'm going to send you one, Megan. Don't worry. I'll get your address yes. offline. Don't do it right here. Wait till we get off. Yeah. Uh, you can get a shout out on the show every week. And there's even a package to meet with me for 30 minutes every month. And don't forget to sign up for the newsletter and check out all the past episodes, beyondUXdesign.com. I hope you keep coming back for more great UX tips from Beyond UX Design. And until next time, remember, you're more than a designer because there's so much more to UX than design. I'll see you around. Take care, y'all. Done. I really wanted to be like, tell your mom and them. I said, hey, God, I love that line so much. Go ahead, do it. I'll, I'll splice it in.